Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we go through the Bible book by book in a way that is deep but also easy to understand. As always, if you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Solid Life Whole Bible Reading Plan. Uh, we also have physical reading plans available in the lobby of the church every Sunday. Yeah, and with that, um, man, we want to answer your questions. So if you have any questions about um, our Bible reading plan, anything about the Bible, we would love to answer that. You can a- uh, email info at grove.church with your questions. And obviously, we can't get to every single question every week. So we do um, what's called our Q&A episodes, like what we're doing today. You can even call them a bonus episode. That was a great effect on your voice. Thank I you. Appreciate I actually did it myself. No uh, no electronic help there whatsoever. You should teach me that. I Well, after the podcast, I will. Yeah. With that being said, uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, this week or this uh, month, we have five questions. So thank you all so much for uh, emailing in. The first one Um, Not necessarily about the Bible itself, but more of a practical question about the plan, and it is this. With the Bible reading plan, I am having trouble going from book to book. What are some ways to make it less confusing? So one of the things we talked about when we were uh, discussing this question is – If you're having a difficult time going from, say, because obviously when we're going through the Bible reading plan, it can be a little bit jarring to go from uh, Matthew to Romans to Job to Revelation, all these different books in one day. And so if your mind works a little bit better going through all of the chapters of one book at one time, uh, first off, there's nothing wrong with doing that. So say if you just want to take all the Matthew chapters and instead of reading one a day, just power through them all in two days and then power through the Romans chapters after that, uh, that could be extremely helpful for you. Yeah. um, I think it's important to remember that um, the goal of the Bible reading, um, not the podcast, the the plan, the goal of the Bible reading plan, it's not to get through it. I mean, that's, that's one of the overarching goals. But if we just read the Bible just to read the Bible, man, we're missing out on the truth of Scripture. And and I like to think of it this way, like shoot for quality, not quantity. I mean, the reality is you could read every book of the Bible this year and miss out completely on what God is speaking to you. And so I would just say if you're actually if you're having issues with going book to book, figure out the best way to read it for yourself. Um, this is not the the Bible reading plan is not the gospel. What we're reading is, and so. You know, we can interpret how we want to read the Bible um, through the plan. You know, there's no set structure is what I'm trying to say. Read it for quality, not quantity. Yeah, and you can you can read different types of books in different ways. For instance, with the narrative books, the books are telling a story. So right now uh, we're in, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Acts, Matthew. Those books are telling a story. I can just put that on the audio Bible, listen to it. I'm getting a ton out of it. There's different books where maybe I can't do that. Like when we get into Leviticus, I'm probably not going to be listening as much as I'm going to be reading. Uh, Romans especially is not necessarily for me uh, a listening book, but it's more of being able to dive in and uh, deeply study those things. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Another quick thing before we move on. um, Another thing that would be helpful is every time we start a new book, write down the who, what, when, where, and why. And we try to answer that here on the podcast, even if we don't use those specific terms. Um, but it might be helpful to write down for every book that you're reading, who wrote it, 
what the book is about, what genre it's in, when they wrote it, where they wrote it, or where the audience is directed to, and then why did they write it. And then when you start reading about that book, refresh yourself, and it'll help you jump from book to book in a way that's a lot easier to understand. Yeah, and one more quick tool. Um, This is a very cheap book, so cheap. I think it might even be a dollar on Amazon. Um, It's literally entitled Know Your Bible. And correct me if I'm wrong, we had these at church at one point. I won't, yeah, we gave them out in youth yeah. a few years ago. Um, it, for, for our youth ministry, we gave these out to the students before I was here. Um, but it's actually really good. Um, I, I've used this. I even used it in college to get quick snapshots of context. Um, it's called Know Your Bible by Paul Kent. Um, and it's, you know, it's less than a hundred pages. Um, in every single book, it kind of gives you a quick overview, a couple quotable passages. Um, and, and it's just a good tool. Um, obviously it's not in depth. But it helps you get context. So yeah, it's yeah. a great resource. Uh, moving on to question two, and Connor, you actually did a bunch of a bunch of research on this, so I'll let you take the lead. So here. much research on this. Um, and our question is: In Matthew twelve forty, Jesus says he'll be in the ground for three days and three nights. But Good Friday to Easter Sunday is only three days and two nights. How does he satisfy that prophecy? Yes, great question. Um, this is some. This is a this is an answer to a question, um, and it requires us to take ourselves out of our 21st century Western culture mindset, and we need to get into the mindset of um, the Jewish audience and the Jewish writers because the way that they um, structure their days is actually different than what we say. Um, here in America, and really actually the world now, um, our days go from 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. So we have 24 hours. The Jewish structure of days, however, um, it was a little bit different. Their day ended at sundown. And so, um, you know, where, where it helps to take our Western glasses off and think more like the author of the New Testament is in a in, in a situation like this, um, like I said, they didn't divide days at midnight like we do, um, but they do it at sundown. And in, in the first century Jewish mind, a, a part of a day even counted as a whole day. Um, so because Jesus was buried on Friday evening and rose on Sunday morning, he was in the tomb three days and three nights by Jewish reckoning. Um, by modern reckoning, he was in the tomb for only one full day Saturday. Um, but we have to like I said, when we're when we're reading, we have to be reading in the context because stuff like this doesn't really make sense. Yeah, and when he says uh, part of the day count as a whole day, the reason it's translated three days and three nights is because in our Western mindset, the way that we communicate the idea of a full day is a day and a night. And we communicate like a day as being a half day almost. And so by Jewish reckoning, the way they would have understood it is that Jesus was in the tomb uh, for three full days. That's correct. So moving on to question three. Uh, this one came in, I believe, by Facebook, and it said, why in, why in this verse? And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a mountain by themselves. So that's Matthew 17, 1. And the question is, why in this verse does he only take two disciples or three disciples and not the rest? So this is an interesting, um, an interesting question. And really what it gets down to is, is one of the things that I guess pr- we don't often talk about in Christian circles is that there was different circles of friendship, I guess, is a way that you could put yeah, it. Yeah, like closeness. Yeah, closeness within the disciples. And so the group that we hear all the time about is the 12 disciples. Um, but actually, the 12 disciples 
are a smaller subset of the 72 disciples. So remember, uh, there's portions of the Gospels, both in Matthew and Luke that we read, where Jesus sends out uh, 72 disciples. Now, we know almost nothing about the other, what's that, 60? 60 plus yep. 12? Yes. I'm, That's good I'm, math. I'm awesome at math. Uh, we know almost nothing about the other 60 of them, uh, but we do know that there are other disciples. And then in Acts, we see uh, an even larger group that's up in the upper room praying. And so the 72 are a subset of that. And then Peter, James, and John are the closest disciples to Jesus. And in fact, in the Gospel of John, we, we hear John referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. When Jesus is on the cross, he makes John promise to take care of his family. And so in very specific times, Jesus would take just those three. So the transfiguration, which is what this verse is referring to, is one of those times. Also, uh, when he's praying at Gethsemane, Gethsemane yes, that's how Gethsemane. you say Gethsemane. Gethsemane? I don't know. Say it fast. When no one will notice. When he's, playing, when he's praying at the garden. It's like saying Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire, yeah, anyway. Uh, when he's praying at the garden, he takes Peter, James, and John further than he takes the rest of the disciples. Yeah, and I think it's just like... Just like today, like I have friends that I let into certain areas of my life because I trust them more than other friends. It's not saying I don't trust my other friends, but um, I don't know. I think we all like, you know, you have people in your life that you're not going to tell your big news to before other people. And it's the same concept. Jesus had a deeper relationship with these three. And we talk about it in like the pastor sense of, you know, who's your 12 and who's your three? Like, who are the 12 people around you helping with your mission? Who are the three people that you can lean on in the midst of your mission? And I think it's the same in our Christian walk is, man, who are the people around you to encourage you? But who are those, you know, few close people that you can talk about real life events with? And that really is what um, why Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up with him. Absolutely. So moving on to question four. Man, I feel like we are flying through this podcast right now. This is going to be a shorter one. Dude, good answers. Good. That's why. Well, thank you. Uh, and you know what? You're not so bad yourself. Thank you. I appreciate uh, <laughs> that. I was talking about me, but... That's fair. Just kidding. Uh, question four. Why did God harden Pharaoh's heart before Moses went back to ask about letting his people go? Why did God make it more complicated than just letting them go? So a couple things to think about this. Number one, uh, the Bible does not say that Pharaoh was like a great guy and then God hardened his heart. Like it's not like Pharaoh was in his in his heart going to let the Israelites go and he was super nice about it, but then God hardened his heart. And when we, when we read through Exodus, the language is used that Pharaoh hardens his heart. And then towards the end, we're told that God hardens his heart. And when I, when I was just thinking about this, and Connor, you might have a different perspective, you might not, but um, it, it reminds me a little bit of why God allowed the man in the gospels to be born blind. And it's kind of explained because all the disciples are asking like, well, what sin did his parents commit that would have led to this? And, and sometimes it's not even um, sin, but really God allowed him to be born blind so that Jesus's glory could shine through the miracle of him receiving his sight. And without that man being born blind, we would not have that miracle. Similarly, without Pharaoh having his heart hardened, we would not have uh, at least the tail end of the plagues. And, and like we talked about last week, the plagues are this incredible display of God's power over not just nature, but over the gods of Egypt who they worship, the false gods that Egypt worshiped. God is displaying how he has ultimate power over all of these things. And we would not have gotten those things uh, if Pharaoh's heart was not hardened. Yeah. And I think another um, good mindset to have when talking about 
you know, situations like this, because, you know, we, we hear every single week, like, you know, in church that we serve a loving God, we serve a God who will always give people chances. And, and, um, and so we read, you know, there's, there's a phrase called eisegesis. There's exegesis and eisegesis, where exegesis is you take the scripture and you pull the truth out of it. Eisegesis is where you read truth into a scripture and you isolate it. If you so, want to really quick, it, an easy way to remember is eisegesis is what do I think? And you're reading it into the Bible yep. as opposed to exegesis. Yeah. And with that, um, we can literally see this whole narrative of God giving Pharaoh chance after chance after chance after chance. And then in one moment, um, Pharaoh decides – or that, that – that, Sorry, not Pharaoh decides, but the writer writes that God hardens his heart. And all of a sudden we're like, well, God, why would you do that? It's it's not really the case. It was not just like a God deciding, hey, you know, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's going to ruin my miracle <laughs> by letting my people go. So I'm actually going to um, harden his heart for a dramatic sense. And, you know, it, it reads better if, you know, if they chase the Israelites to the Red Sea and we perform the miracle. You know, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. I mean, just look at the book of Job. Um, yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah, we just talked about that. And so I just I, – I want us to remember that as he is, you know, hardening Pharaoh's heart, um, his heart was hard from the beginning. Yeah. Well, moving on to our fifth and final question today. This one was uh, another fun one to look up because, again, hadn't really considered it. But uh, – and this question actually came in through the, the Bible app. So interesting way, interesting way to deliver that I one. I didn't even know you could ask questions well, through the Bible. You know, I didn't know that either. But uh, on the question, the fifth question is this. Uh, why does Moses' father-in-law have two different names, Ruel and Jethro? And so going through it, uh, there's a few different uh, ways that we can look at this. And so what we wanted to do uh, was present – all of the different viewpoints of what it could be. And then me and Connor will kind of independently tell you where we land. I think we're in a similar spot, but that's the idea. Yeah. And real quick, there's also a third name uh, for Jethro. We're not going to get into it because uh, we didn't feel confident enough to answer the question. And every resource that we kind of looked at, they didn't really have a confident answer, but it's Habab. Um, I'll give you the quick overview of it. Basically, Habab could be um, essentially the the leader of the tribe. Um, but that's about the best answer that people could give. Yeah, and usually uh, from what we could see, depending on how you answer what the difference between Jethro and Ruel is, that also informs your answer on who Habab is because it, it, it kind of just lines up with all the different things. Yeah. Uh, so here are the different ways of looking at it. Number one, uh, both Jethro and Ruel could be titles. So when we look at what they actually mean in Hebrew, Jethro – means excellence, and Ruel means friend of God. So both of those things could actually be referring uh, to the title of the person. So in other words, his name could be Jethro, and he could be a Ruel, which means a friend of God, because we're told he's a priest. That could have been a way of referring to priests in that tribe. Mm -hmm. Also, his name could have been Ruel, and he could have been Jethro, or he could have been excellent. The excellent Ruel is another way of looking at it. Or he could have been Habab and been both excellent and a friend of God. Yeah. <laughs> so they could be titles more than they are names. Second, uh, Jethro could have many names, kind of like Jacob and Israel, where we see, and, and I want to take a, a quick moment to talk about this. In the Bible, we see quite a few areas where someone's name is changed 
and it's a it's a turning point in their life. So we see again, Jacob's name is changed to Israel. In the New Testament, we see Simon's name changed to Peter, and we see Saul's name changed to Paul. But there's also instances where people just have multiple names that they're known by. Um, again, in the New Testament, we're told that Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, uh, we're not given any insight as to why that name was changed. In her defense, I think I would go by Tabitha. Yeah, as well. Dorcas is not is not a great name. Uh, but we also see it with some of the disciples. You know, there's um, Thaddeus, whose name was also Judas. Uh, there's a few not the not, bad Judas. Yeah. <laughs> I've a always, good Judas. Folks, it'd be a real bummer to be that disciple and then we get to heaven and you're like, oh, no, I'm one of Jesus' disciples. Like, really? What's your name? Judas. Oh. Like, no, no, no. Like the, no, not, the other one. Not, the, not that Judas. So, I mean, <laughs> and he should probably go by Thaddeus anyway. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is it's not an uncommon thing, especially in the ancient world, to have multiple names that you go by. And so the probably the easiest explanation and, and possibly what it is, is that uh, – this man, Moses' father-in-law, had multiple names that he was known by. And then finally, uh, Ruel or Habab could be a clan leader. And so one of the ways that this is talked about is in the context of – I believe it's when Habab is mentioned. It said that his daughters are so-and-so. Uh, the leader of the clan would essentially claim everyone in the clan as his children. That's the way that you would refer to it. And so that is also a possible explanation. Yeah. And I think it's to kind of like make this a little, and I'm not sure if it's too hard to understand or whatever, but a good way to remember this is Jesus is Jesus's name. Well, Yeshua, if we get really back into it, but I'm talking the English version, but we call him Jesus Christ. We call him the Messiah. We call him the son of God. We call him all of these different titles and we know that we're still talking about Jesus. And it's kind of a good way to, to realize this also, kind of a reckoning, like it could just be a title. And and I I think it's just this. We don't want to make scripture more complicated than it is. But this is a good question here because like, yeah, it's kind of weird talking about two or three different people all meeting the same person. But the reality is um, it's most likely either – you know, a many, you know, one of those many name things or a title. So, yeah, and this might this might sound like a bit of a cop out, but I kind of land on something in between answer one and two. Yep. Where I think they were probably one of those was the birth name of that man. And as he lived his life, he received other names that also functioned as titles. And it, it, it would make sense to me. And again, this is not definitive at all. Um, but for instance, if his birth name was Habab and then he becomes a priest, he is also called Ruel for now he is a friend of God. And when he becomes the high priest, he's also called Jethro because he's the excellent. And then when Moses meets him, he's already the high priest. And so it makes sense that the first name that he would learn of this man is Jethro, but there's also other names that he is referred to. And we see some of those throughout Exodus. Exactly. All right. Well, that that wraps it up for today. So thank you so much, guys, for uh, emailing in your questions. Uh, again, if you would like your questions on the next Q&A episode, you can email them in to info at grove.church. I promise we love all of the questions. We love being able to dive deeper um, into some of these. And we love even just, again, questions that we've never thought of before. That's part of the fun of this podcast is that we're all reading the Bible together. We're all in this together. With that being said, uh, stay tuned for in a couple days, the next episode will drop, and then we will see you all next week.